Welcome. <laughs> hey, is the bird in your building again? Dude, the bird is in the garage again. And it's going to come out at some point, I'm sure. So, What kind of bird gonna... is it? It's a little uh, small thing. It's got a kind of pointy beak. There's a little bit of yellow to it and gray. Um, <laughs> Have you seen not... a bird like this before? I've definitely seen It's a relatively common bird, but less common. Okay. If, you, if that makes sense. So... That bird is here with us today. By the way, I'm, I'm Steve. I'm Keith. And uh, we're here with the new Dad Rock. This is episode one. Today we're going to talk about Pavement. Why would we do that? It's funny. Pavement's one of those bands that I think you think this way, and and I certainly think this way about that. You know, they're amazing. They're classic. They're one of the all-time bands of the 90s, but at least out here in the suburbs... You know, again, I'll bring my wife into this. She loves pavement, and she'll mention pavement, and people look at her like she has her head sewn on the carpet or something. It boggles my mind that pavement is not a, a, a universal. I do agree that uh, I mean, pavement was from the suburbs, so I'm surprised that there's not more like you know love in the suburbs for them. But he's an acquired taste, you know. I mean, like you said, pavement was like the second best band of the '90s. I'm going to eschew rankings, you know. I mean, I can list some of my favorite bands. I can't say what my definitive top bands are, but I'll list some that I like at a certain point in my life, but not tonight. And, you know, if I say this is the top ten and you, Keith, say that that's the top ten and somebody in some magazine says this is the top ten, that's, those aren't the rules, you know. Somebody did that. 35 years ago and now we have to listen to those same 20 bands on, on classic rock radio all day yeah and why is it always a top 10 like why a desert island 10 why is it not 12 why is it not like 4 hours or 20 hours why is it not measured by the whole catalog of 3 bands or something like if there was one band you could have the whole catalog of and you're on a desert island that somehow has power and amplification what's your one desert island band yeah it's probably Okay, but this episode is about pavement, so I'm going to have to say that my Desert Hound band is pavement. All right, so you get all the EPs and the singles and the, the B-sides. Oh, yeah, you have to. You know, though you have me second-guessing myself now. Is like, would Modest Mouse be better on a desert island or, like, Bob Marley? Like, if the island has... Well, anyway, this is a kids-friendly show, <laughs> so we're just going to talk about pavement tonight. Yeah, let's, let's talk about Pavement, and specifically Pavement's final album, Terror Twilight, which is, if you're going to do a ranking of Pavement albums, I'm pretty sure the consensus would put this in the final or last box <laughs> spot. Well, um, I think that's pretty universal. I might put Bright in the Corners there. I think this is probably a little better than Bright in the Corners. Let's not whoa, even whoa, yeah, that's fair. But, like, if you're going to... Bright in the Corners is... I swear, like one of their better albums. But you, you think Wowie Zowie's the best? I think so. Yeah, and everybody hates that too. So we're gonna agree to disagree. Oh, yeah. What do I know? Totally. You like Maiden, so it explains like some of the leanings. <laughs> I mean, Serpentine Pad is a sick song. I think you like all the crazy. It's like Ween. That's their Ween album, Wowie Zowie. But I think Terror Twilight, like why it's called that, and like what's you know this band's ending, right? Like they know this band's ending. I think they talk about it in their one of their books or some interviews. It's over, man. This is the swan song album. Terror Twilight. Did you get the bird out? <laughs> you okay? <laughs> you okay? Should I call the your bird. wife? 
No, the bird is still in here, and I just closed the garage. So if, you know, one of us will emerge, I'm going to see who it is. I wish this bird was like ostrich size, like a really big, ferocious bird, so it had a chance. This bird could definitely not carry a So Terror Twilight, their last album, what makes it interesting is the use of Nigel Godrich of Radio fame as the, the producer. Well, sure, it's an interesting way to go, and like why they tried it at that point in their career is anyone's guess. I'm not even sure they could tell you why or how that came about. Keep in mind, at this time, Radiohead still had not put out Kid A. Their last thing was Paranoid Android. Yeah, but OK Computer is one of my 10 Desert Island CDs, MP3s, or whatever you want to call them. Your okay, CDs are, you, those CDs are so scratched up, there's no Wi-Fi <laughs> that you can stream. You're not getting 10 Desert Island discs. You're going to lucky. You're going to have to make friends with the birds. And I'm getting to be friends with the birds out here, man. All right, so let us know if this bird haunts you. So Godrich is on top of the world with Radiohead. But the results, at least at the time, were underwhelming. And Malcolm's comments a few years back didn't do anything to help the album's reputation. What were his comments? I think he called it a $100,000 bloated classic rock album <laughs> and basically said something about Nigel Godrich's standards. Basically, he's like, they dicked around in the studio, wasted a bunch of money, and still put out a crappy album. A lot of that could be on the person writing the songs. Yeah, so, and then Nigel comes back and he's like, I slept on I the floor. I slept on the floor to produce you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then, I don't know, man. They're in New York, London, like, anyway, but this is like 2015 or 2017 that they're talking about an album that came out in 1999. Yeah. So, obviously there's been some some feelings. Sure. Uh, but some of those tracks people like, I love Major Leagues. I love the covers of Major Leagues by other people too, but Major Leagues is a great song. So, I get people blew $100,000 on an album that, at first glance, is not that good, but like... In hindsight, and strangely enough, using Nigel's uh, recommended order, because it was going to be different than the order that I think Kattenberg uh, chiefly led, um, the new order is the new order is massively better, and strangely, sounds just like a Radiohead album. Yeah. So, you got me. I mean, you're the one that brought it up. I knew about it. I'd heard about it. It's been floating around for a while, and I just never even bothered to listen to it because I'm like, that album sucks. But I finally got around to it. I was like weeding the garden the other day. Well, what'd you think? What'd you think about it? I saw it with a different light. It really, it was a lot more impressive. And like you said, it starts off with the like trickier songs. Platform Blues, or I think it was originally going to be called Ground Beef. That song always got lost in it. And, you know, highlighting it right at the beginning of the album really made for a difference. And it, you know, sets you up for an experience. Nigel's producing now. The one thing he really has control of is the beginning and the end of the album. I mean, all of the instruments are playing in the middle, but in the first five to 20 seconds, in the last five to 20 seconds or whatever, he has the total ability to isolate one, or maybe they started funny and he kept the piece. So if he's the one creating the, the beginnings and the ends of the songs, whether they're like one second or 20 seconds, then he suggests the order. He knows those sounds are gonna go into those other sounds. He didn't build those sounds individualistically. He built those sounds, I think, I'm just guessing, I haven't spoken to him, but like, he built them in the order of the playlist he suggested. 
I think one of the things that I heard Canberg said was like, yeah, only like two or three guys in the band were even on that track. Nigel plays harmonica on it, so I think that was Canberg's whole problem with starting with it. Wait, 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 hold on. I don't think it was Nigel who was on it. I think it was um, one of the guitarists from Radiohead who was on it. I think it was, um, yeah. No, it's right in the notes. It says Nigel played harmonica. Really? I swear to you. I, I think you're misremembering that. Yeah. Well, okay, you know what? Uh, face off number one. We'll get back to you with the results at the end of this Yeah, you podcast. listeners at home have the luxury of Googling it while we're uh, fumbling with it. Yeah. Well, we could do it now, but I'm so fucking lazy. Wait, what? what's our argument over? It's not even an argument. Uh, anyway, harmonica, whoever, ground beef, <laughs> David. Yeah, whoever, who? whoever played on the song, it was Johnny Greenwood. Johnny it says it on Wikipedia. Yeah, uh, from uh, Radiohead. Wow. Yeah. Well, because it, Nigel knew him, right? Because Nigel, what album they do together? They they did. Uh, they did. The Creep album. They did. Uh, okay, computer. Oh, that's sick, dude. That's yeah, he was their producer, that. so. Yeah, so to be fair, though, when you give the new order, it actually would... I could see why, like, Pavement might have revolted that order. Because that fucking order sounds just like a Radiohead album. And they probably would not have appreciated that from their artistic standpoint, but it probably would have been good commercially. And Radiohead wasn't even that Radiohead as of yet. So Pavement could have uh, stolen some of their thunder right off from under them. Oh, that's interesting. Nigel gave them the chance, and they, they failed. Yeah... You know, I gotta say though, I think Malcolmus, and as like someone who plays guitar myself, like, like with a band, like, if you're not playing with your band, every like, you know, if they're not in your neighborhood or your city or town or whatever, like, you're not a band. And like, maybe if you played together for like 30 years, and like, but they weren't a live band. Pavement was a studio band, right? Or it came from a studio. Well, I mean, I think at first it was him and Kemberg dicking around, and then they hired Gary Young to record tracks, and then. But the pavement, those five guys that you think of, like Steve West and Eibold and Stanovich, they're not really, they're auxiliary players. They're like, they help fill out the live sound. They're there in yep. the studio or not. Or and, not. And they, you know, go from there. It's really Malcolm's band. Him and, you know, Camberg started it. Camberg writes a, a song or three per album. But I mean, I think it's the two of them, and that's why Pavement is different than Stephen Malcolm's solo. But right, Pavement right. is more, you know, I'd say it, it's Steve Malcolm's band, but also Scott Canberg's. Um, but it's more, it's more Malcolm's. Yeah, but Canberg didn't have any songs on Terror Twilight, right? He definitely had a couple on the Major Leagues uh, EP. Remember, they had that EP. It had like a fall cover the classical it had um what's the one the song in donnie Darko. oh yeah that's not that's not bad though i you know to be fair that's probably what they should have done with canterbury songs all along i think it's just hard i mean like if you think about pink floyd like who wrote i don't know that was probably the best band or the beatles <laughs> are you okay yeah <laughs> What's going on over there? <laughs> I'm struggling for the bottle opener. Oh, I thought you were fighting the bird. <laughs> this bird has flown. Oh, the bird left? No, I was just saying. Oh, yeah, I see. Saying yeah, the name fair. of the Beatles song. Totally, I get it. I get it. But <laughs> That's what I do. 
Yeah. <laughs> Say a song that doesn't make any sense in the okay. com- I mean, it makes sense. So they, okay. st- they start off with this platform blues song, which is like, it's kind of a fun, jammy little song. And then they but it has a weird intro. It has a fucking weird intro. The first yeah, 20 like, seconds, it sounds way different. Yep. Yeah. And then they go Sorry. into the hex. A jam, is, totally. Which is... They were considering that as the lead song on Bright in the Corners. So the fact that it's up at the front of the album makes total sense. Nigel's first song doesn't necessarily have to be a song you listen to. And while well, he's out, We Dance was like sort of a song that didn't match the rest. The first song on an album doesn't have to be a whole song by itself, but the hex, you know, rocks. It's just gotta be interesting to like, you wrote this song with all your other songs from like the previous album, but you didn't record it. Now you're recording it this many years later. It's gotta be interesting. I mean, they had it recorded. If you listen to like the Brighton Corners, like that expanded edition, the Nicene Creators edition that came out, they uh-huh. have another version of it. The title is slightly different, but it has like this two minute build up. It's like, and whereas the Twilight Terror Twilight version of it has like not even a bar and the vocals are on you right away. So that's oh, that's more, interesting. That's more I of, see. That's more of like a jam band, like get going out and doing four bars here. They tease it a little, do four more bars, and then yeah, yeah. You, vamp a little we, bit more, and then the song starts. Whereas this kind of lurched right into that. Dude, you got me thinking that maybe there was different versions of these songs for the different auras of the albums. Like maybe that was the version for the for Nigel's ordering. Like so, now think about that album that way. Well, like, I think I think this is the version for Nigel's ordering because it's the one that was recorded later. The earlier version is. I see. I see. Whatever good it point, is, good it's, point. It's, it's a pretty trippy song to have sex. The instrumental section, you know, at the four minute mark, is pretty blissful. I mean, so it's, it's almost like fish, you know, which like good fish, not bad fish. Yeah. By the way, have you been watching the dinner and the movies that Fish has been putting out every Tuesday during the pandemic? Yeah, dude. So every Tuesday at 8 p.m., I think, East Coast time, 5 p.m., West Coast time, they show a live set, which I assume they're picking good live sets, which is fascinating when they pick them because it's way different than what I would want to listen to or like what a first time fish fan would listen to. But they're picking these uh, these sets, so it's fascinating. Free, 8 to 11 on Tuesdays. All right. Sorry. The next song is You Are Light. It's a fine song. I don't want to, I guess it's filler, if you will. It was the third song on the original listing, and what's interesting to me is the way I remember the first album, and I listened to it on a cassette tape during the summer of, I think it was 99, when I was walking from uh, the restaurant I was working at in Montauk. I liked songs one, three, five, seven, and nine, which is perfect when you have a CD player and you can skip, but extremely shitty when you have a fucking cassette yeah. player. Did I, did I record that cassette for you? you- I think you I, did. I think I bought that CD. I remember, remember buying that on like CD now. That's great. They did what they said they were going to do. They got you the CD now, right? I mean, it was like three, four days later. And like Amazon's probably faster now. <laughs> um, oh, all that's... The, none of none of these these companies that we're mentioning are sponsors, but you can. Okay, what's the next song? Cream of Gold. I totally forgot this song even existed. I mean, I haven't listened to this album completely in at least fifteen years. I've listened to a song here and there, you know, probably spit on a stranger and like you said, major leads. Yeah, well, what's, what's interesting is You Are Light, like I said, was song three on the original, and Cream of Gold was four in, originally, and it's four here. So there's something about these songs that they definitely felt went earlier and like and fit together in this order consecutively. Yeah, or 
Camberg was just being lazy. He's like, all right, I want to move this one here. All right, these four can stay. Whatever. Throw this one in. I think the last minute of the song just is awesome. It just really snaps. And, you know, I dream it, they swap. You know, that's a great Yeah, line totally. While they're just, like, rocking out. Like, that's fully Malkmus in his, like, rock star personified. Like, remember, he used to jam out back in the late 90s. Yeah, he jams out now, man. Yeah. I'm with you. I like what you're saying about that song. What's what's the next song on the original album? I think it's Major Leagues. So you're going from that to Major Leagues, which is kind of weird to me. I, I That's why I think Nigel's order is a little better when he goes into And Don't Cry. Yeah, this is still a mellow song. The flow works well. It's kind of like what he did earlier with the hex and into it you are a light you know so you're going from dark into light well yeah and it's song five so it's like 16 minutes in you've been listening to this for a bit you want the change of tone right like you, you need it right you need relief from this pressure yeah. yeah and this song you know after a few challenging songs this one's definitely pavement the more mature pavement and you know Malcolm's later solo stuff uh, but again, you still have the elements that harken back to the early pavement, you know, that so-called slacker sound. And then the song just kind of gets sleepy and then stops at the end. You saw them on this tour. Yeah, I just remember being bored at these shows and being like, yeah, these Malcolm just so like wouldn't look at the rest of the band. Like, you could just tell it was old. Folk Jam is next, which that was one of my favorites. I remember, like, back when this came out, I remember Folk Jam really liking. I swear that the songs you like off this album or not my songs off this album folk jam i don't know not really into it so much it's kind of it's like really crunchy 90s jam band shit yeah but then they got it done in three and a half minutes right no, no that's fair if you're saying they they just said we could do this and they did it that's fine i, I like it being hidden here better than on the original album where it's the second song like think about that like on the original ordering it goes or the one they gave out was on yeah, right? spit on a stranger and then folk jam they're trying to come at you with the hits and here we are now like like you said 20 minutes into the album now and yeah. here come the hits and the most amazing thing is the first song is the last song on the two different on the two albums so like it was just a totally different um what's that called like uh philosophy on what you do with spit on a stranger the snake devouring its tail man Oh, Major that's League good. is next. Yes, Major Leagues. That was the big hit. Uh, there's a lot of great covers. Actually, I like a lot of the covers of it. And I like the fact that people pick that song to make covers of. A lot of people consider that the coming out when like Malcolm was going to be a solo artist. That was A lot of people kind of credit that as the proto-solo Malcolm song. It, it could have been huge. I, st- yeah. I still think it can be. I, I think it, it's time is coming. And then, uh, let's see. Speak, see, remember. I love that, by the way. Just speak, see, remember. This song probably should have been swapped out for Harness Your Hopes, which is definitely a better song. Yeah, I can imagine that he he really enjoyed these lyrics. They do say Terror Twilight in the lyrics. Exactly. So I think that this might have held a special spot. I guess. I guess. Uh, and then Carrot Rope, which was, that was toward the back of the original album, too. So this is... It was the last song on the original album. It was. You're right. And Carrot Rope. People thought that was the name of the, the song. But it was just... Oh, I uh, see. It was an affectation. Oh, that's cool. I enjoy that. The, you know, Carrot Rope is probably one of my least favorite songs on this album. I think that came out as, like, the pre-release single. And yeah, that sounds I right. I really remember not liking it. They definitely left it off their Greatest Hits album, you know, the Quarantine the Past. Oh, I didn't know they left it off their Greatest Hits album. The song's just fucking weird to me. 
Um, reminds me of like a Salinger story, the one about the banana fish. Hey, little boy, you want to see what's in my pocket or not? Did Nigel not want to put this on the album? Like, I'm not saying this song, I mean, it could have been another song, but like, perhaps even his playlist is not actually his playlist. Maybe there's even a song or two missing. In fact, I think there's a song missing if you look in the book, like where there's a name for something that doesn't exist and it doesn't exist anywhere else. And oh, it's a, it was an instrumental or fuzz guitar part, which they've included on previous albums. So yeah. there's stuff that's missing. It'd be cool if there was a real mix out there or if they could put it back together. You know, I'll, I'll ask on Twitter. Uh, yeah, the new dad rock should ask on Twitter. What's left? Now we're up to the penultimate track. Billy. Is it? That's what it is, Billy. No, but penultimate means the end, right? It's the one before the end. Is that really what penultimate means? Yes. Okay, that, I knew that. If it was the end, they would just say it's the ultimate. <laughs> oh my so this God. is the penultimate. <laughs> is that really, really what it means? <laughs> That's really what it means. Dude, was, that is weird. why I didn't like was not an A student in English. Let's keep going. Penultimate. The one before the last, which is the ultimate. <laughs> yeah. Is I don't Billy. Know, so I, I, I get this song mixed up with Dedo. Oh, yeah. Off his solo album. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it makes sense. I don't really have much on this one. I mean, he, d- he does say fetus in a jar, which is kind of cool. Like, it, I mean, I only think of Kurt Cobain when I think of fetus in a jar. I think of that show Carnival, which was on HBO in like 2003-ish, maybe. It was yeah. like this traveling carnival in the Dust Bowl times. Dude, he also says ship that hollandaise. So, I mean, maybe he likes that hollandaise sauce. Like, is he an Eggs Benedict sort of guy? I mean, that's what this song tells me. Not much. So, the ultimate song on the mix by Nigel is Spit on a Stranger. That's like... The last song on this album, but the first on the one they actually released. What do you think of that? I kind of like it better as a closer. I agree. It's very uplifting. It's a, it's a nice summary of the album. And, well, as we cu- learned their career. Yeah, you know, it's like, however you feel, whatever it, <laughs> it takes, takes, whenever it's real, <laughs> whatever awaits. Yeah, this is one of the best songs on the album, for sure, dude. Yeah, absolutely. And the ending is great too. I'm the one that leaves you high, high, high. high. <laughs> I feel after this new mix, this album has gone from last place to me to not last place, even though we're not talking about place. This mix could have totally changed their fucking career. And like, it's almost a shame that like Malcolm is kind of threw in the towel and didn't really, didn't go with this mix. And it could have been friendship. It could have been tiredness, which I understand. Maybe they can get their act together and do like a record store day 25th year anniversary. So they have four years to get their act together, patch things up. Yeah, you know, I think they should just re-release the album with that order and then just change every digital copy. You can do that. Like Kanye West does that. I love that shit, dude. Like change the fucking uh, digital copy however you want. People can figure out the old copy. It'll be there. People have... The physical copy that's different like it'd be an amazing revision but that'd be cool for someone to try i think it has been done i'm pretty sure you could just go on spotify and find the playlist i just want to thank everyone for listening you know we expect to be back each week talking about music that us dads listen to yeah and in the meantime go i'm sure you can find that list that mix somewhere i 
share playlists on Apple Music. I don't know if they're visible. I try to make a, a playlist for each episode talking about the songs or bands that we've included. For last week's show, I put up a, a, a mix, you know, just a song by just about every band we heard. And obviously this week will just be the Nigel Godrich order of Terror Twilight. But we'll be back at it next week. Yeah, until then, I'm Keith. And I'm Steve. Hey, we need a cool sign-off. <laughs> totally like, hey, I'm Steve. <laughs> My daughter's always like, what is this? What even is this music? <laughs> That's good. We should get her to say that. Until then. What is this